Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Before I jump into this morning's word, I want to give a couple quick things. It's so glad, um, it's so glad to see you guys again this week. Um, this past week, I want to give a big thank you to all those that served. Um, we had so many different people out and away in different places. Uh, I want to give a big thank you to uh, to Kurt Hartwell who filled in for worship for my wife who normally leads, and uh, and brother Caleb for bringing the word. Man, I just I appreciate the fact that we have. Such a great diversity of people in our church that can pray, that can do whatever needs to do. And how many know this church is not run by four people? Hello? This church is run, first of all and foremost, by the Lord Jesus Christ who gives us the strength to do what we need to do on a week-to-week basis. And God has gifted so many people within this body. And how many of you guys just appreciate the leadership that we have in this church outside of the people that we normally see? And so... My wife and Nisa were away at a women in ministry uh, weekend. I was in Michigan ministering out there for a brother of mine who, uh, who was on sabbatical, taking some time away. And then uh, uh, Sammy. Sammy was ministering in Florida. How many know we have a great diversity of people preaching the gospel in different places and doing great? That's a great thing. It really is. So thank you to everybody who served last week. It was a blessing, and I know people people upset that I'm back. I know we have a great team doing other things, so it's okay. It's part of it. Um, the other thing I just wanted to just uh, remind you that it's fall here, and uh, with that, we want to kick off life groups here in this fall. And so if you are interested in hosting a life group in your home this fall, please see me after service um, and uh, let me know that. Uh, you can let myself or Sammy know that. Uh, either one of us uh, let us know that you are interested in either leading a group or hosting one. Maybe you're like, you know, I don't, I'm not really good at hosting any sort of small groups in my home, but I have a nice home and I'd like to be able to open it up for people to come and learn and grow. And like Sammy said earlier, we're built for community. Yes? And uh, we, we're seeing that even on Wednesday nights. Uh, you know, we are, we're, we're got about 20 plus people gathering in this sanctuary here on Wednesday nights now for our discipleship group. It's absolutely amazing the wonderful things that we're learning and growing with together. And I get a chance to sit and just teach a little bit, which I don't get a, always a chance to do on Sundays. I'm, I'm, I'm wired a little bit more of a preacher. I just am. That's where my giftings lie. But on Wednesday nights, I get a chance to teach a little bit. And that opportunity of, of that group is a wonderful thing. So um, I can't tell you enough how important it is for you to find a group you can be a part of during the week. And life groups is one of those ways you can be a part of that. So I encourage you, uh, if you're interested in being part of that, we saw uh, a lot of great things happening after service. Please stop by the connection desk and uh, pick up some soup on the way home. Pick up an envelope, fill it up. How many know there's no such thing as uh, little donations but little faith? Right? There's no such thing as little donations. There's envelopes out there with like a number four on it just for $4 to give to convention. Everyone could do something, right? And then Jesus said, oh, ye of little donations. No. He said, oh, ye of little 
Faith, you can do a lot with a little bit of, uh, with a little donation as long as you have big faith with that donation, right? I mean, the woman who gave the, the two mites, she gave a little donation, but her faith was big, right? And to her, it was a sacrifice. And to everybody else, they were like, what's the big deal? If I grab a, a number three envelope with $3 in it, I feel like I'm, I'm cheap or whatnot. No, fill out an envelope, whatever it is, everyone, fill something out. If it's $2, $5, $7, whatever that looks like, maybe you could do more, that's great. But if you can't do something little, you can help a student go to convention. So I want to just plug that really quickly. This is the last week to be a part of that. And the last thing I'll say is this, but definitely not least, happy birthday, freedom. 11 years this week, we are existing as a church. So happy birthday. 11 good years, and we're looking forward to a lot more. Be in prayer because we're now in talks, uh, and we have been for some time in prayer and talks uh, Brother Caleb mentioned it a, a, a hair last week about it. Um, we are looking at purchasing. We don't own this building yet, but we're looking at purchasing this building. So um, the first Sunday of every month, we're going to be giving emphasis toward putting together monies to help buy this building. So how many know that when you're debt free, you could be free free? Yes? If you've ever paid off a bill for the last one, you ever done that? You ever paid the bill for the last time? You're like, freedom. You just be like, shh. You want to be like, ah, hopefully you don't do that in public. But what I'm saying is like, there's that freedom, right? That sense of like, wow, you know, I just, I no longer have to be bound by that. And so what we want to do as a church is we want to do everything in our power to put a, as much cash up front to buy this building. And if possible, even all the cash, right? So that when we, when we're in this building and it's ours, hello, we can do a lot more because phase one of this whole a vision of, of 2022 that I talked about earlier this year is buying this building. That's phase one. Then we expand. And how many will look forward to an, an amazing center where we could do a lot more things, minister to a lot more people in a lot of different ways? How many would love to see that happen? Yes? More rooms, more opportunity. This is just the beginning, guys. That's how we partner. And thank you for your generosity in advance to that. So happy birthday, Freedom. Happy birthday to all of you guys. And give yourselves a hand. You guys are all freedom. You guys are all freedom. Well, let me dive into the word here. Um, they set a, a, a very impossible standard last week of getting, uh, getting out of this building. So I'm going to do my best to, to, to rival it. That means I got, I got about five minutes. So um, we're in this series, I Want to Believe But... We've been talking about a lot of different things. The first week we talked about, I want to believe, but God doesn't seem to answer my prayers. Raise your hand if you've ever kind of felt that way. My prayers are not being answered, right? If you, if you testify like that a little bit, I, I preach shorter, so you may be able to get out sooner. Um, I want to believe, but God doesn't always answer my prayers. I felt like that before. And then week two, we talked about, I want to believe, but why does God have so many rules? We talked about that, and we talked about how those rules are not rules just simply to have rules, but to set us in a place of a narrow path that allows us to be free within that context, that those rules are set up for us, not because of us. Are you following me? That God is not just saying, well, you're really, really bad, so let me set up all these rules so you can be really, really good. No, in fact, the commandments were set out so you can see we all need help. We all need direction. We all need guidance. We all need, say it with me, boundaries. boundaries. 
And God set those boundaries so that when, when, when we get too close to them, we can know, oh, this is not good for me. But we as Americans don't like boundaries. We want to be free, right? And freedom is great, and I want to be free too. But you somehow misinterpret that freedom as do whatever the heck you want to do. Hello? And I'm serious about this because I'm so tired of people being like, freedom means I do whatever I want to do. That's not the case for Christians. God has set up a boundary for us to do what he wants us to do. And our American Christianity says, I do what I want to do. That's not what the Bible tells us. We are subject to the Lord God Almighty always and forever. If you call yourself a believer, it's not about your opinion. It's about his word. Look at me. Everyone look at me. It's not about our opinion. It's about his word. That's what we talked about last, not last week, but the week before. And this this morning I want to talk about, I want to believe, but I can't always feel God. I can't always feel God. I don't know if you've been in that boat where you said a prayer and you're like, man, I'm really hoping I could, you know, feel God today. Or you pray to pray, you didn't feel anything. Can I tell you something? Your feelings, your feelings are important to God. Can I make it very clear? Your feelings are important to God. But your feelings are indicators of where you are, not dictators of where you should go. Your feelings are indicators of where you are. Not necessarily dictating whether I feel God or not. And so God is alive and his church is active. He's doing great things. How many believe that? Right? So if you are walking with Jesus, there's an endless way that you can sense and feel God. But because we often look at the word feel, and I think that's the problem, right? I think the word feel is the problem. Why can't I feel God? Well, feel is very subject, isn't it? Because everybody feels things differently. You can give a little elbow to somebody and somebody go, ow, that hurt. And you can give a little elbow to somebody else and they go, what? What do you need? Feelings are subject to the person. And in the same way, internally, the way we feel internally is different. But here's what's never different. God. God is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever, right? He is eternally the same. And so... Uh, the, the biggest problem we come across when we say, I can't feel God, is in, uh, because we often look at feel as just a sensation. But feeling God and understanding that God is present is more of an internal reality than it is an external feeling, a, a touch, a sensation, right? So when we look at Feeling, we have to understand something. That even throughout scripture, God doesn't ignore your emotions. How many know that your emotions are still part of your Christianity? And that's okay. When I think about the goodness of God and what he's done for me, right? How he set me free. There's a song that that will go, I want to dance, 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 dance all night. All night. I used to, I, my, old, my church back in New York, we used to sing that. And everybody used to be, you know, like this. And then when that song came in, they're like, ooh, I like that one. And they start. 
All of a sudden, that feeling of like, oh, when I think about his goodness and what he's done for me, I want to dance, dance, dance. And then people start, my church, man, we go three hours. Y'all can't handle, some of y'all can't handle that. I tell you that right now. We would go hours, hours. And that worship leader, 45 minutes on one song. It never ends. You're like, I want to dance, dance, dance. You think I'm joking. I'd be there like, I wanted that. Oh, night. Let me get my breath there for a second. Because we look at feelings as a sensation. When I think about, when I feel this and I feel that. But how many know that everybody feels differently? Just like we hear from God differently, everybody feels different. So to say, you know, I, I don't feel God like that person, that does not matter to my Christianity. Because maybe to that person, that's the way that they sense God. Maybe that's the way this person feels God or that person feels God differently. Everyone in this room can feel God differently in a different way because we are all created differently. And artistically, there are a lot of different ways we can sense God. But I want to tell you something. The, the internal, the real feeling God is internal. Case in point. You could have chaos happening on the, on the external around you and still have internal peace. Peace is not just external. Why is that true? Because there can be absolute peace around you. All the kids are gone. Nobody's around. Everything is quiet. But inside, your raging craziness thoughts are all over the place. Is there peace there? But, but wait. Everything is quiet. Why isn't there peace? Because peace is not about sensing and sensations on our external. Peace starts here and works its way out. So you could have peace on the outside and chaos on the inside. But you could have chaos on the outside and peace on the inside. Which one is peace? Inside, right? Because I no longer have to run from things and feel certain things because I have what? Peace. And the same thing comes with joy, right? Happiness is sensation. I feel happy. I feel this and I feel that. But happiness starts here and ends here. Joy starts here and works its way out. So I may not feel a certain way, but I can be joyful about my salvation. Man, it's like I have a rough week. I can have a really rough week, but I can have joy in my spirit because I am saved. And no matter what happens to me on the outside, I know I'll be with him. Are you with me? I can have joy. So I like what, what has been said. I don't like, um, you know, sometimes we think in, in our mindset that, that what happened to me this week dictates my life and how I should feel. I'm not going to be dictated by my circumstances this week. Some of you need to tell yourself that. I'm not going to be dictated by my, my experiences this week of whether or not God deserves praise. 
Somehow we think that somehow God is looking at us going, you know, I don't really like your attitude this week. So I'm giving myself to everybody but you until you think about what you've done. Like we're on a spiritual timeout, right? Like God's like, you just stand right there and you think about what you've done, young man. That's not how God operates. Now, does he correct us? Hello? Yes. And he should and he must. Because how else can we know where God is and where we are unless there's a, a, some sort of a measuring for that, right? So maybe, just maybe, is there a possibility, everybody look at me, is there a possibility that you're having a rough week because of the decision you made? Is it possible that maybe you're having a rough week, a rough month, man, even a rough year because of some of the things that are happening around you that you've already submitted yourself to. I'm going to think like this. I'm going to think like that. You know, I'm a victim. I'm this. I'm that. Guess what? You're never going to achieve victory if you walk around your life claiming yourself as the victim. You're never going to move forward. So today, what I'm setting out to you today is simply this. Hopefully, I can show you that the presence of God is so much more than just our feelings. Now, again, we're not ignoring feelings, but don't be dictated by them. Because if you don't always feel God's presence, you are not alone. If you don't always feel God's presence, you, my friend, are not alone. Alone, It may be possible that your feelings of spiritual dryness is actually a sign of growth and strength. Listen, during the winter months, my grass is not mowed every week. But that doesn't mean I don't have grass. It's there. It's stagnant. It's not growing. But it's not dead dead. It's going to have its day again. It's just a season. And so what we have to realize is that within the season, we have to understand that we need both. We need those seasons where things uh, God is showing us and teaching us and we're growing through those and the seasons of blessing. Hello? True green comes to your house, starts spraying your grass. Now it's out of control. I got to mow it every three days. You put some weed in feed, you kill some bad stuff, make, some, make that grass grow. That's, you know, that's a part of it. But guess what? Here what I, here's what I need you to understand. You need those times of challenge just like the times of growth. You need the gas pedal and you need the brake pedal both in your car. You need them both to drive the car. Can you imagine a car that just had a gas pedal? Some of you are like, huh, I've been in a car with someone that just has a gas pedal. Some of you know what I'm talking Some of you are smiling a little way too much. We need to pray right now. Right? Imagine a car with just a gas pedal. Now, imagine a car with just a brake pedal. How far would you go? Not very far, right? Unless you got a really strong spouse and they're pushing you. Put it on neutral. <laughs> right? Fred Flintstone, I guarantee he didn't get too far. Now with a two-ton vehicle. But I'm telling you right now, you need them both. And I'm telling you in your spirit, you're going to need those moments where you don't feel God because they help you appreciate the moments you do. 
Are you following me? And you say, well, Pastor Tony, that's not fair. I want to feel God every single time I want to feel God. That's nice if he was a genie in a bottle, right? But he's not. God has a reason why sometimes he remains silent to let you think about something that is going on in your life right now. And so you need the gas pedal to stop. Excuse me, the gas pedal to go and the, and the brake pedal to stop. You need them both. Yet, somehow, some way, God is so good that he, he puts us in a position to grow even with the gas pedal fully on or the brake pedal fully on. He has those moments because we're on a journey. How many know that Christianity is a journey? You need the gas pedal to go. You need the brake pedal to stop. We are on a journey. We have to get close to the Father. Now watch this. Psalm 88 tells us this. But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Watch this. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? Oh, man, I prayed that kind of prayer before. Lord, I I don't feel you right now. I need to hear from you. Now, raise your hand if you've ever prayed something like this. You didn't realize that was in the Bible. Why? Because the Bible is full of real people. How many know that the people that are in the Bible, they're not all like supernatural 24-7? They have very real feelings, very real lives, and they're trying to overcome very real circumstances. And so when we read a psalm like this, we go, that was in the Bible. Man, that's where I am right now because I've been there. I've been there. So here, Psalm 23, verse 4, David said this in the Psalms, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There's that feeling again. I will fear no evil. One cannot escape the real feelings that David felt before. How many ever felt real darkness in your life? You're like, man, I don't want this darkness anymore. Why? Because when you taste it of the light, when you taste it of God, darkness is darker. When you taste it of his goodness, the bitterness is more bitter. And we go, ooh, I don't like that. Something's not right about my spirit is unrest. There's no rest there. There's, my spirit is uneasy with this person. I got to be very careful. I got to tread lightly. We trust, look at me, we trust certain people sometimes way too much before knowing where their spirit is. Some people, and I like how this has been said multiple times, and I, at this point, I don't even know the origin of it because it's been said so many times, but sometimes people won't like, me, like you because your spirit irritates their demons. Right? The spirit that is in you irritates their bitterness, their problems, their deceit, their lying, their, their constant barrage of negativity. Some people just won't like you. Some people didn't like Jesus and he was perfect. Your spirit irritates their demons. So understand this. You have to understand that you can be excited and emotional about decisions. They can drive you, but your emotions should never guide you. There are ways that you can be approaching life that cause you not to sense God. And let, let me just give you a couple thoughts. Number one, maybe you're overthinking it. Is that possible? Amen. Maybe you're overthinking it. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know, I haven't felt God. Maybe it's because I gave, I gave $64 instead of 65 
God forgive me. Maybe. Maybe, maybe somebody told Pastor Tony about what I'm struggling with. That's why they're preaching. I can never go back there again. Maybe you're overthinking it. Yes, we tend to, we tend to, how many ever went through this process of absolute silly things in your mind and then when you get to it, you're like, wow, when you get reality, right? And then you're like, that was so dumb. I thought the dumbest things, right? I got testimony. People are just raising their hand like, Jesus. Yes, I am dumb for Jesus. No, I think we overthink it. Let's not, let's not call names. I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm saying we overthink it sometimes. We kind of overshoot what God, is, what God is allowing to happen in our lives, and we overthink it, and then we're like, oh, it was, it was simpler than that. I made it a whole lot more complex than it needed to be. Perhaps in your spirit, man, God has an answer for you, but in your flesh, you're overthinking it. Right? Because we have all thought things that were absolutely not true. And when you find out the truth, you're like, wow, I was 100% the other direction. Think about what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I didn't say that. That's found in 2 Timothy 2.7. Think about what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Ask God for wisdom. How many know you can ask God for wisdom. Thinking is important. It's valuable. But you got to think about the right things. And even, even that, that the writer um, said, think on these things. I believe it was Solomon. Is that right? Think on these things. So thinking is valuable. There's nothing wrong with thinking. God is, God is calling believers to think and to thinkers to believe. Because God is not expressly saying, those of you that think are not of me. I want you to blindly follow me. No, he wants you to think. He wants you to be able to talk with people and, and, and accurately, even to some degree, debate the truths of God and talk about them. Be well knowledgeable about the things of heaven. Be well knowledgeable about the kingdom of God. Because guess what? There are people that just need to have some answers. And they don't need all the answers, just some of them. And you may have them at your possession. The Holy Spirit may drop a word in your heart, in your mouth, and you'll say it. And all of a sudden, they'll go, whoa. And you don't have to be a rogue scholar to somehow be that. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, be, in, be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In other words, I'm not constantly thinking about evil thoughts, I'm actually thinking about heavenly thoughts, and in that way I'm mature. What does that mean? Look, you can find that in 1 Corinthians, read that whole passage, 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Be infants in evil, in other words, don't be involved in evil things, but instead be mature in your thinking. God wants you to think but he doesn't want you to overthink. In other words, start making conclusions without biblical understanding. Is this helping anybody? I think we overthink. We, wanna, we, don't, want, we don't want to be like that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Wallet? Purse? Watch? Be renewed by your watch? No. I'm renewed by my mind. 
That's where God wants to help you renew. Why? Because that's a battlefield all the time. How many have battlefield uh, syndrome going on up here during the week sometimes, right? You kind of got things happening up here and you, you're, you're constantly in this battle. Can I tell you something? You don't have to be that way. Trust in him today. The head must do its supporting work so the heart can do its main work. Let your mind and the thinking support, but let the heart that God has put in you, not your natural heart, your natural heart is deceiving, but the heart, that, the heart of God that he wants to put in you every day, let that beat with the things of the kingdom. Amen? Number two, maybe your heart is hardened. Maybe your heart is hardened. You've been hurt by someone. You've been, you have to legitimately ask this question that maybe you've been hurt by someone and because of that you have a difficulty to trust people. You have a difficulty in trusting anybody that says anything because nothing is trustworthy anymore. Is that possible? Someone hurt you so all of a sudden I can't trust anybody. And guess who's part of anybody? Jesus. Guess who's part of anybody? The church. I'm part of anybody too. Now, all of a sudden, nothing I say or anybody says or even what God says, which is more important, matters because you can't trust anybody because someone hurt you. Can I tell you something? When you have a hardened heart, it's very frustrating when someone gives you advice. Have you ever given advice to someone with a hardened heart? And you're like, dude, like right now, I'm telling you, this is happening in your life. And they're like, nope, nope. That's not happening. It's not true. You're wrong. I, I just, uh, let's agree to disagree. You're wrong. And you're looking at their lives, you're going, am I the only one that sees this? Brother, sister, this is going on. You have to let that go. Nope. That's just you being you. Let me be me. You know what that means? I don't want to change. Let me be me is interpreted. Ready for the interpretation? Ready, ready, ready? I want to be stubborn. I'm going to be me. Let me be me. That means I don't want to change. I'm sorry. If you use that phrase, it's still true. And I'll never re retract that. Because if you, if you say in your life consistently, let me be me, let me be me, let me be me. You know that oftentimes that just comes from a selfish, uh, overly ambitious heart that wants to do your own will. There's a few things I want to tell you this, and I'm going to close in just a few moments. Here are five ways to heal a hardened heart, because we're talking about a hardened heart. Let me share this really quickly with you. Number one, push past your feelings and look to his word. There are seasons where you're supposed to be meaningful, but it feels mechanical. Do it anyway. You feel like, you know what? I do my devotions, but I don't feel it. Guess what? Still do your devotions. I, there's times I want to pray, but it feels me mechanical. Still pray. Because the mechanical will eventually be meaningful if you just allow yourself to get in it. Well, I only want to do what I feel. Then you're being driven by your feelings. But push past your feelings. I'm not ignoring feelings. Understand what I mean by that, right? I'm saying push past and don't let that happen. So... Go to work, work hard, kiss your spouse, spend extra time with your kids, read your Bible, pray. 
Even if you feel like you're talking to the ceiling, do it anyway. Because just because you don't feel like it doesn't mean it isn't real or impactful. Eventually, your emotions will catch up to your obedience. Is this helpful? Yeah. It's a good thing. Number two, get rest. People under, underestimate how important it is to get rest. You can't function with a certain number of hours. You have to have a certain number of hours of rest to be able to function normally. Me, I'm a full eight-hour person. If I get five, I can't function well. I just can't. That's me. That's the way I'm wired. And I realized that after 40 years, I realized that there are different, I have a certain way of functioning. And I know that if I get five hours, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a hard day. Right? But if you get, if you can get, find your zone, get rest because fatigue and overwork can combine to numb your heart. And what happens is sometimes I find that heart grows hard because I'm not resting and I'm not able to perceive the goodness of God. And because of that lack of rest, I don't receive the goodness of God. And because I don't receive the goodness of God, I make poor decisions and that snowballs and dominoes into a whole different problem and a series of problems. So take a day or two off if you have to. Get, some, get, get, get eight hours of sleep. But get out. Read the Bible up in a mountain somewhere. Do whatever you need to do. But get out. In a world right now that is constantly in the stay home, stay safe idea. If you're sick, stay away from everything. Listen, I need to go out and stop it with the in-house stuff anymore. And sometimes I need to get out. It's been two and a half years, friends. I'm frustrated because it's no longer, it's no longer about solitude. It's isolation. And people are depressed and hurting. You need to get out and do something. Do something productive, even if you feel like it's mechanical. Hello? I'm sorry, that was a little bit there. Get some rest, though. Get rest. Number three, don't over-personalize your failures or your successes. Don't like overthink those failures and successes. Everyone fails. Everyone succeeds at certain things. You're going to have those flip-floppy up and down moments. Don't put too much stock in any one of them. Don't make, look at me, don't make large decisions either during those times. I'll leave that there because it's, it's a rough thing to, fl- it's hard to flourish when you're constantly flopping about this, that, and the other. It's hard to flourish in your faith. When you're like, oh, man, I failed at this. Oh, yes, I did this. And oh, man, I failed at that. And all of a sudden, you're emotionally playing tug of war. You know what? I messed up, but I'm going to get up and move. Hey, I succeeded here, but I got to stay plugging away. Don't put too much emotion on those things. Because what happens is when you do, you start to harden your heart from hearing from heaven. Fourth one, decide to trust again. I touched on that already. This is huge because most of us, once bitten, twice shy. Once bitten, twice shy. So it's important to consciously re-engage your heart and say, you know what, this person hurt me. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to hurt me. I said that already, touched down, let me move on. Fifth one, fight isolation. Solitude, and I, again, I touched on it earlier, but fight isolation. Solitude is used by God. Isolation is used by the enemy. Community is the problem for most in the community. Talk to God. Talk to a friend. Find a mentor. Find someone to talk to. 
Proverbs 18.1 says, one who has isolated himself seeks his own desires. He rejects all sound judgment. Write that down. If you have a, a, a something to write, write this thing down. Proverbs 18.1, one who has isolated himself seeks his own desires. He rejects all sound judgment. Why? Because you're the only master in your universe. And he who has himself as a master has a fool for a master. Because you can't counsel you like you can counsel other people. You know, sometimes I take this, my, my own advice, as something to help me. I look at my, if my I'm, sometimes I'm in a situation, and I say it like this. What advice would I tell someone in this situation? Because sometimes if I take myself out of it for a moment, I would say I would tell them this, and then I would tell myself that. Because when we're in it, we're emotional. But when I step out of it, I can easily look at it and go, if someone came to me with this thing, what would I say to them? I answer that question. Then I say, well, then that's what I'm going to tell myself to do. Sometimes you can self-correct because it's so much happening up here. We got to direct our attention to heaven. And let me say these last few things. Um, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two people are, off, are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Then let's look at verse 12 for a moment, if you don't mind. Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Leaders, process privately while leading publicly. And yes, go see a counselor from time to time because we all need it. Hebrews 10 tells us to spur one another on. That is the call of God. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25. Look at it. Realize that God calls us to consider spurring each other on towards what? Love and what? Good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but are encouraging one another. And all the more you see the day approaching. What is the day? The day that Jesus Christ comes back again. You're better when you're with us. You're better and we are better together. We're better to have you than not have you. You're better to have us than not have us. Why? Because that is exactly what we're pushing toward. The day that Jesus Christ approaches and the day that he comes back, he's coming back for a spotless bride that has some things figured out. We don't have it all figured out, but we got some things figured out. How many, how many are glad we can have some things figured out? Amen? Hmm. So much to share, but let me... Let me consolidate this for a moment. God has appointed times for you to experience his presence and joy. Sometimes you don't feel God. I get it. And can I be just transparent with you for a moment? There are many times I don't feel God. But I don't give up. Because I realize that, you know what? It's not that he's not here. It's not that he's not here. But he's silent for a reason. Maybe there's something I need to hear within me that he has put there and he's waiting for me to respond to, right? 
instead of him just telling you over and nagging you over and over again, sometimes he'll drop something in you and he won't repeat himself. He'll just wait for you to respond the first time. Okay, case in point. How many of you have ever had called your kids multiple times? You say their name over and over and over and over and over. And by the end of the thing, they're like, I didn't hear you, what? And you're frustrated. You're about to rip the walls down. You're like, I called you six times. And they're like, I didn't hear you. And you're just like, and you're frustrated, right? Sometimes God just says, listen, John. And he waits for John to respond. But you don't know until you stop everything you're doing and listen. Yes, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, for your servant is listening. It's not that God wants to be silent. Look at me. It's not that God doesn't want you to feel him. Sometimes he's already dropped your name to get your attention. Now he's waiting for you to respond. Yes, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So we can, we can sit around going, God isn't calling, he, he isn't saying much to me. He isn't, you know, you could worry about that or you could say, God, I'm listening. Which one is better, to panic or to pray? Which one is better, to panic or to pray? Pray, right? So when you start to feel like panicking, can I challenge you? Answer your own question right now. The way you just answered me, answer that to yourself. When you feel like panicking, stop and pray. God, what do you want me to learn in this situation? What do you want me to do? And my last thought is simply this. Maybe God wants to draw you closer. Maybe God wants to draw you closer. If you're a believer and you're following Jesus, you are his child. Watch this. Jeremiah 29, 13 says... You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. This is Jeremiah. He's telling us point blank that if you, God is speaking through Jeremiah, the prophet says, if you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? Half a heart? A hardened heart? No. Just Seek him with all your heart. Lord, I, I want to shut the whole world off, turn off my notifications, shut my phone off. I just want to spend time with you. Can I tell you, some of the best times I spent with the Lord is when I shut my phone off or left it somewhere and just said, you know what? Whoever it is can wait. It's me and Jesus right now. So what am I talking about here today? Let me say this and I want to close. I want to believe, but why can't I feel God? Don't be limited by what you feel. Don't be limited by that. Instead, be maximized by what you know. Don't be limited by what you feel. Be maximized by what you know. And here's what I know. 
He's never left me nor forsaken me. He's pulled me out of the muck and the mire. He's, he's placed my feet on a solid rock. Right? He is my Savior and Lord. That's what I know. You with me? That's what I know. I know this. And let's move from I want to believe but. And that's what helps us move to I want to believe because. He's been faithful to me. He's pulled me out of the muck and the mire. And that's how we change our perspective. So if you would, all over this room, would you stand with me for a moment right now? And here's what I want from you. More than anything, I just want you to surrender to the Lord. More than anything in this. If you're at home right now, if you're at your, uh, you're living wherever you are, or just if you're in a car, don't take your hands off the wheel. But, but if you're, if you're anywhere available right now, I just want you to lift up your hands right now. Just right now. Just don't worry about anything behind you, in front of you, beside you. I want you to say this with me right now, if you're able to. Just lift up your hands to heaven and say this with me. Say, thank you, God, that you still speak today. Speak truth about who you are and who I am. Speak truth about who you're not and who I am not. Today, I put my trust in you. Speak truth to me. God, we want to feel you. We want to feel you. We want to sense you. But that's not going to stop me whether I feel you or not. That's not going to stop me. Holy Spirit, fill this place with your presence right now. Let your power, let your mercy overflow and overpower your people here today as we submit and surrender ourselves to you. We love you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray right now, Jesus, that you would steal the lies of the enemy and remove them. When we wonder if you're gone, God, instead turn your heart toward us and may we turn our hearts toward you. And may your word be the thing we focus on our life may your presence be always with us and in us and belong to us we are your children oh god thank you for your presence for your pursuing us passionately daily and for loving us even when our emotions are all over the place your patience and your long suffering accompany your faithfulness we praise you oh loving God in Jesus name we love you God